Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, presented by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds are on the radio. The Hot Stove League is brought to you by JTM Food Group. Let's create great dishes together. JTM, PNC Bank, the official bank of the Cincinnati Reds. PNC, make today the day. Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation, where there's help, there's hope. And by Wings and Rings, 16 area locations and proud sponsor of the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds Hot Stove League is also brought to you by Kelsey. Chevrolet, Route 50 and 275 Lawrenceburg, Greater Cincinnati's full-service dealer. From their family to yours, Ralph's American Grill in Wilmington, Ohio. Visit ralphsgrill.com and by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds are on the radio. Now the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome in. It's the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, and we are coming to you from a sun-soaked Goodyear, Arizona. We're at the Red Spring Training Complex along with Jim Day. I'm Tommy Thraw. It is great to be with you as we talk Reds baseball for the next hour. Spring training well underway, and in fact, the full team is now together, Jimmy. Yeah, and for this first segment, you may hear what we hear on a daily basis. There's a regional airport, which is right by. You may hear some airplanes in the background. You may hear some music. You may hear some basketballs being shot between (laughs) drills. You may hear some baseball sounds, but we are high above and looking over. As you said, a full team has reported and I got to tell you, Tommy, the aura is really, really positive around this team. We say that every year, but this one's different. It, it is. And, uh, you know, one of the things, and I haven't asked David about it yet. Um, I'm sure I'll get plenty of time to, to talk to David as, as the spring goes along here with our pregame radio shows throughout camp. But the, the thing that it seem, that seems to me to stand out is this team, the bond, uh, the, the chemistry of this team seems to get better Every spring, we hear about it a lot. Yeah, uh, we, we heard. I remember hearing about it a few years ago. Um, I think we really saw it last year that they were even a closer group, and even more so this year. They just seem to continue to get closer and closer, uh, and they know what's at stake. And, and and this is a group that knows what they're capable of. They know the expectations for all the expectations for for all the hype around this team. They, they have higher expectations, I think, than anybody could possibly imagine. It's amazing what came together in a short period of time last season. And I, part of this I put to continuity. One, you've got the same coaching staff that is back. There's that familiarity. They know how this camp is run. And the players, the nucleus of this players, those guys are all back. And most of them got a taste last year. 
and fought through the wars, if you will, together. Now, came up short in the end, which I think puts a little bit of a chip on their shoulder as well, which is helpful. But we talked all offseason about we always talk optimistically and we have hope. This is genuine hope. And it's even more than hope. Now the expectations are there. There's genuine hope and genuine expectations for this club to be good. And you add in the factor of, you know, everyone is going to miss Joey Votto being in a Reds uniform. But it was his team all these years. Now, with him not being here, it's their team. So they're going to have to find out along the way who the leaders are. But it's their team. And you can just sense that they know all right, this is our team. This is our time to shine. We have the talent to do this. We have the continuity. The chemistry is outstanding. Everything is in place for them to have have a successful season. No question. Don't miss a moment at the ballpark with your 2024 season ticket membership. Plans start at just 13 games and include guaranteed access to 2024 opening day, postseason, and so much more. Call 513-381-REDS today. Well, Jim, unfortunately, uh, things are off to a pretty good start, but a little bit of a setback with some news today. Uh, David Bell announcing to the media earlier this morning that Matt McClain is going to uh, be – Put on pause, really, for about a week. Uh, here's what he had to say about Matt McClain, who has uh, aggravated the oblique a little bit. He's not going to do anything for five days except get treatment and um, just let, let the injury um, settle down. And, you know, just we're not concerned. That the, the MRI he got was just great news because if it was – if he would have – if it would have shown a re-injury to last season – that would have been really concerning because he had the whole offseason to, you know, go to PT and get it 100%. So I'll, he's, he's going to be fine, but we just need to be patient for, you know, a week. Well, Jim, it certainly doesn't sound like it's anything serious, but it is in a little different area, but the same yeah. side as where he aggravated it last year. Any oblique situation is concerning. When it first happened, there was genuine concern. Before the MRI, they didn't – it was in the – same general area, but they didn't know exactly where it was. As it turns out, after the MRI, it's slightly lower than the injury last year. And Matt, even the next day after it happened, or the next few days after it happened, said, okay, it's not as bad as I anticipated. The MRI showed that it's not as bad as anticipated. Now, listen, it's, it's an oblique, and it's the same side. So there is concern going forward that they're going to have to manage it. And they said that he did it on a day in which he just took – a lot of swings so always concerning when it's that same area but they think it's just general fatigue or a strain if you will and not as serious but oblique have to follow it closely and like david said uh he probably won't play in the first few games of spring but it sounds like there's still a very real likelihood that he would be ready in time for. Oh, by the way, they have depth in the infield now. (laughs) Yes, indeed, which is why. Which we talked about, like, this is why you have depth. Yes, no question. So we certainly hope that Matt will be okay and he will heal quickly. Coming up on this edition of the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF, we are going to chat with TJ Friedel and then Spencer Steer will join us at the bottom of the hour. All that coming up, this is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Budweiser Hot Stove League presented by UDF. 
As promised, it's time to chat with Reds outfielder TJ Friedel. TJ, I know we talked earlier in the offseason, but you've been out here uh, for what a few weeks now, right? And what what all are you trying to accomplish when you report early like this? Yeah, I just like to, for me personally, just get settled in, get into a routine. Um, you know, you go the whole offseason having that routine of doing whatever it is that you do. Um, but it's always nice to get down here and get settled in, see the guys. And then, like, we do get out on the field every day and get to you know, play catch, get defensive work, and hit out on the field here. Um, you know, it's also nice having all the staff here. So whenever you do need anything, like extra hitting, anything like that, there's guys here to do that. Um, and so it's something I've done for years now where I just come in, you know, a week, maybe a little over a week early, get settled in, um, and just, you know, we're so routine-oriented that, you know, it's kind of one of those things for me that, like, I'd like to get settled in, get into routine before actual camp starts. How different is it for you, you uh, up until this point of fighting for your baseball life to improve, you know, prove yourself at every level, mm. prove that you belong. And this year you show up, but I'm sure you're always going to have some of that chip I on was your gonna, I was going to say, <laughs> I know still, you, I know you're yeah, always going to, yeah. for various reasons, but on paper, you're on this team. You're not only on this team, you're the starting center fielder of this team. So how different is it to arrive knowing that you don't necessarily have to prove yourself to make the team? Uh, you know, for, for me, for me personally, it's, I'm still going in with the mindset that I have every spring training of like making the team. Right. Cause like, I think for me to continue to push myself and have another great year and, and to continue to, get better that mindset's necessary like to continue to prove yourself to continue to get better at the weaknesses in my game like no matter what I do there's always going to be weaknesses in my game yeah and if I just look at the good things and you know that's how complacency sets in and I think complacency is a dagger of all great things is getting complacent and being happy with where you're at and and for me personally that's something I never want to be as complacent and happy with where I'm at and I think for me, you know, there's constant weaknesses in my game. You know, I've talked with CC about a lot of stuff in the outfield to work on this year. Um, CC Colin Calgill. Sorry, yeah, yeah Colin Calgill. That's all right. Just um, so the audience knows who you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, Colin Calgill. Um, outfield stuff to work on, which is another big reason coming down here early, um, getting to work on some things out on these fields that I don't get to do back in Vegas, um, just starting early and getting ahead. But, um, you know, for me, it's nice to come down and see all the guys and yeah. the guys that, you know, it's – it's nice because I feel like with this team, it's a rare occasion where a strong percentage of the guys that you ended the year with, you're coming back and seeing in camp. Yeah. Um, and so it's just that familiarity of seeing those guys, getting back into it, and um, you know, just getting those jitters. It's baseball season. Right. It's awesome. You know, having a spot on a team um, kind of affords you some luxuries that you don't necessarily have when you're trying to make a team. Things like hey, I want to work on hitting with two strikes. So then you can allow yourself, when it gets to game situations, you can wait till you can see some more pitches. Do, do, you, do you go into this spring maybe working on some of those things now because you, you know that you've got the spot? Does it afford you things like that? Or like you were talking about, I mean, you still, you still want to attack it the same yeah, way. Yeah. But does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. I think you know, there is a certain aspect to it where um, – you know, each game or like when games start, you know, I, I go over two with a couple of strikeouts, yeah. maybe like, I don't think I'm going to go home and be as hard on myself as I would normally be in years past. Um, but, you know, to that aspect of it, there are certain things, like I said, that, that you need to work on. And I think having that luxury of 
of coming out to spring training early, but also having that time in the games to work on things. Like, so example for me, a big thing this year is going to be taking my eyes off of fly balls and working on route efficiency to cover as much ground as possible with my speed without having to look at the fly ball the whole time. It's a big thing for me that I want to work on and getting down here, working on now with machines out in the outfield. And also that's another thing this like in the games. And once games start, I'm going to really try and work on. And if I overrun a ball and I got to backtrack and maybe it falls, like that's just me working on what I have to work on so that when the season comes around, I've put the time in to do that during the season. It's good information to have too. So if we see you miss a fly ball in the outfield <laughs> yeah. and it happens a I don't few wanna, times, we don't need to hit the panic button. Is I, what yeah, I don't want okay. yeah, right. it's, not, it's not an excuse, but <laughs> I, that is something for specific example that I will be heavily working on. Is that a hard thing to, because taking your eyes off a fly ball, I think would yeah. be somewhat unnatural. Some guys, it, and it's crazy too, because some guys are naturally talented at it to where like, it's just kind of second nature to them. Like they know they got to cover ground and they've done it their whole life. For me, I've always just trusted my speed to get me there so I can look at it the whole time and take the right route. Whereas like now you play in a little different dimensional parks, a little bigger parks here and there, gaps maybe a little bit bigger. Atlanta, another example, like you got to cover more ground in Atlanta than you got to cover in Wrigley or Great American Ballpark, right? Like there's just different gap coverages that I really learned last year. Playing a full season at that level and realizing the gap dimensions, like in the different like differences you got to cover. It's just another advantage to strengthen my game. So yeah, it's, that's just one example of what I'm, what I'm going to work yeah, on. Yeah, a ton of variables, too. If you lose the ball in the lights momentarily, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. got to pick it back up. That, yep. uh, you know, training your brain to do that. So yeah. there's a lot of variables. Having the comfortability uh, to trust in that route yeah. that you're on, that you're going in the right direction. Right, yeah. As the roster stands now, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, things always seem to change in spring training. But you got a bunch of left-handed hitting outfielders. Um, so on any given day as the roster stands now, someone's going to have to face a lefty. Your numbers against lefties have been really good. One, how proud are you of, of those numbers? Mm-hmm. And do you think you deserve to be that guy in the lineup every day facing lefties or righties? Yeah, I think that's something I've always worked on is, is hitting left-handed pitchers, but also having an aspect to my game of that bunt that I used a lot last year to bring that bunt with me that adds a different dimension to hitting lefties where if a guy's, you know, really good and kind of like it has my number, that's just something I have in my back pocket to kind of like put that down and make them make a play and, and, and get on base. Um, you know, I've taken a lot of pride in, in facing lefties and, and especially last year, whenever I had the opportunity to kind of start against a lefty or get in against a lefty, I really wanted to, to just prove and show what I can do. And how I can hit lefties, and and there's more to just like getting up there and hitting a ball in the gap or trying to hit a line drive. Like I have a bunt in my back pocket, not just the first, but the third. Like you know, last year I had one off Manea or Manaya from he was with the Giants last year that I just decided last second I was going to go to third, and I put it down to third. Um, so for me, that's something I've always taken pride in, and you know, being able to do that last year uh, meant a lot to me personally. And moving forward, I just think no matter what happens, I'm going to control what I can control. And just like last season, whenever I have the opportunity to start against a lefty or face a lefty or whatever it may be, I'm just going to try and take advantage of that opportunity whenever I can. Talking about the outfielders, from a defensive standpoint, you're a guy that, that's a fine defensive outfielder. Um, you're fun to watch, and, and you've, you've always been a good outfielder. Mm-hmm. You've got a couple of guys. Um, Will Benson, I think we saw some progress with him last year. Mm-hmm. And Spencer Steer, guy that's never played the outfield before, mm-hmm. took to the position seemingly uh, effortlessly last year. A couple yeah. of hiccups, but other than that, yeah. really did a nice job. Have you seen growth in those two guys as from where they were this point last year? Well, Spencer wasn't even out there yet, yeah. but yeah. to where they're at now. Yeah, I, 
extremely happy for the both of them. Um, the progress, like you said, Will Benson made throughout the season last year, like after that first month for him to come back and really just continue to work and put his head down and work and to have the rest of the season that he did was, it was incredible. Um, yeah, like you said with Spencer, that he didn't play any outfield last spring training. He didn't get these early days to come out here and work on outfield stuff. And so for him to make that adjustment and kind of learn on the fly last year during the season, like when games mattered, was really impressive. And, and you know, that's kind of him. He's just a quick learner. He's going to play wherever he needs to play to help the team. And that's just the kind of guy he is. Um, you know, I'm really excited for him to get a full spring training of outfield work. Like we've been out there working every day. He's getting help from Colin, Cowgirl, Eric Davis, Kevin Mahar. We got all the guys out there kind of helping everybody. So I think for him to get a full spring training under his belt of working at the corner outfield spots to get that comfortability is only going to help him make him better. What Take us inside the clubhouse. What's the vibe? I mean, what a difference a year makes. I, I can't believe what has happened in this last year. Mm -hmm. When you look at last spring training, you no idea what the makeup of the team was going to be. And then all of a sudden, all these young guys come up. And now everyone's established. And that core is back. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like that has carried over to the vibe, if you will. Take vibe, us in the, the club. The vibes are high. Yeah, take us yeah. in there. What is it like? The vibes are high. And you know, my first day coming back in and just seeing the guys again like it feels like the first day of school like you get the first day of school i was, I was sleeping the night before with like butterflies i was excited yeah. i was excited to get going excited to go see the guys and um you know you spend so much of the year with this group and yeah. you spend every day day in and day out with these guys and you go home and then you kind of come back to this time especially in spring training right now we kind of get that time to all get back together and work together but you know like i said before i think the familiarity with the guys is this doesn't happen much in baseball where you yeah. have a lot of guys right. coming right back and trying to do the same thing you did last year and build off of that. And so, you know, I think that's why the vibes are so high because everyone's on the same page. Everyone's got the same goal. And it's just seeing the guys you spent 70% of the year with last year yeah. and meeting up with them and kind of getting back into it. So, yeah, everyone's really excited and we're ready to go. How much different does it feel coming into spring training Instead of trying to play with a chip on your shoulder and prove the world wrong, now it's to meet a level of expectation that's out there. I mean, mm. talking to some of these guys, it seems like you guys almost embrace that and, and, and welcome that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think a lot of the guys in this team have that character of like playing with the chip on their shoulder and playing aggressively and continuing to build off of what we did last year. And, and you're right, like there's there's no there's no hiding it. The expectations are a little bit different this year after what we did last year, you know, and, and the expectations are just like that for ourselves. We're in it to kind of go and build off the foundation we set last year to continue to build off of that and continue to play our game and be who we are. Like we saw last year when things were great, when things were bad, we had ups and downs with this group last year and we saw it firsthand. So I think having that with everyone that we had, especially how young we were going through that is only going to make us better into this season. We're going to kind of know each other and we're going to know, how everyone's playing, how everyone's feeling, how to handle each individual person. Then you add a couple big pieces like we did this offseason, and, you know, it's only going to make us better. So we're just trying to build off of that. TJ, can't wait to uh, get game started this week. It should be a lot of fun, and yeah. uh, look forward to seeing you roam around in center field. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. I'm and the mustache is in midseason form. So <laughs> I know. You almost got a handlebar going I'm there. Still, I'm still Are we going to handlebar? Out. I don't know if I'm going to keep it or not. I'm still uh, feeling right. it out, but okay. we'll see. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Raleigh. Fingers going here, man. <laughs> I get some mustache yeah. wax. There you yeah. go. Perfect. Just see if I can yeah. curl it. Uh, it's curling right now. It's getting yeah. there. Yeah. That's Reds outfielder TJ Friedel joining us on the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF. We're back with Spencer Steer after this on the Reds Radio Network. 
Welcome back to the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF. With Jim Day, I'm Tommy Thrall, and we just got done chatting with TJ Friedel, and now we get another Reds outfielder, Spencer Steer. Spencer, is it uh, is it still weird being referred to as a Reds outfielder? Uh, no, I think I'm getting pretty used to it at this point. So, yeah, I prefer utility man, but... <laughs> Well, yeah. utility you man can works call me too. an outfielder. That works. Because you're going to play infield as well, right? But it's totally different. You're going to get, I would assume, most of your work in the outfield just to get you acclimated. But you're still going to take infield and play the infield, obviously, yeah, at times. From, from, from my understanding, I think the the way we're going to go about it this camp is majority of my work will be in the outfield. Yeah. Um, but I also need to stay sharp in the infield as well. So I'll be doing work there, but... Uh, like I said, most of it will definitely be in the outfield. Do you feel like you can just go back to the infield and kind of pick that up second nature because it's natural? Or do you do you still feel like you need a lot of work there just to keep your skills sharp? I think I just need it's infield's been what I played my entire life, so it definitely is way more natural, obviously. But yeah, I need to stay sharp. I need to be seeing ground balls, uh, keep my feet moving, that kind of stuff because. Uh, if you don't use it, you lose it. So I feel like if I'm not taking my ground balls, uh, my feet might get a little slower, and we don't want that. So, Just watching you take some outfield, um, you know, last year I'm sure your head was swimming. You're trying to think, oh, i got to do this, i got to step here, i got to do that. You're looking a lot more natural. Do you does it feel more comfortable just taking fly balls? I would say I definitely feel just more relaxed in the outfield right now, knowing that uh, I can really focus on the reps I'm getting and – not every fly ball is life or death like it felt like last year. Yeah. Um, just not having played outfield before last year playing out there, it, I was uncomfortable. I was uh, possibly overthinking it at times, trying to be too perfect with my routes, too perfect with my jumps. And yeah, um, yeah we, I mean, we we're fighting for a playoff spot the last two months and I was out there just, you know, trying to do my best. And I think uh, just trying to do too much out there and trying to be too perfect definitely hindered me in some ways. So I think this spring will be really important for me going out there in spring training games and just trying to feel comfortable and relaxed out there and really get uh, to the point where I just feel natural out there like I've been doing it for, for my entire life. When you're an infielder and, and you've had success on the infield there's a certain level of confidence when the ball's hit to you. There's almost an excitement, right, when the ball's hit to you as an infielder. I, I have to imagine as an outfielder, when you haven't played out there, it is a completely different feeling that you're probably not accustomed to when the ball was hit your way. Was there a major difference, and was that an uncomfortable feeling? Was it an awkward feeling because you probably haven't experienced it before? I, I would say it was uncomfortable mostly because I didn't have a lot of trust out there. Um I didn't have a lot of trust in, in my, my routes and, and my decision-making and, and just seeing balls off the bat. Like, that's that's one thing I've noticed over time. I gain more trust with the reps and just seeing balls come off the bat and hearing the bat and seeing, oh, you know, this isn't a homer. Like, you can hear it and know it was off the end of the bat and you come in on the ball, that kind of stuff. So, um, for me, it's literally just all about how many reps can I get this spring um, because the more reps, the more comfortable I'm getting. Last year, you described going to the outfield as being a, a golden retriever, which was one of the, maybe my favorite answer of the whole season, uh, that you can just just go chase the ball. 
Just be a golden retriever and go chase the ball. Now, are you still a golden retriever or are we more refined? Uh, do we have a different word or different phrase for your outfield play this year? No, I still like to think of myself as a golden retriever out there. Just mainly because I, I kind of just said that because that was my way of kind of not making the position more than, than yeah. what it is and like simplifying it. And like right. I said, I thought at times I kind of over was overthinking it a little too much. Um, so that was kind of my way of of kind of simplifying the position yeah. to just act like you're a golden retriever at the park chasing after a a football or this is why we whatever love you. it is. This is why so we love frisbee you. Or yeah, baseball, <laughs> exactly. tennis ball. So, yep, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with that. Perfect. That's good. I like that. Uh, for you, was you know moving to the outfield? It looks easy, right? Like that's one of those things in baseball, like a lot of things in baseball, really. But it, it looks so easy until you've actually stood out there and somebody hits a rocket at you, and you see how the ball just explodes in the air. It's a tough position. You, you seem to handle it last year really well. And um, there were only, what, I would say a couple of hiccups that you had throughout the course of the season in the outfield. Um, but and was those there, were early. Those yeah, they were. were. Yeah. And, and, and you corrected them almost instantly. Um, I even remember making a comment after, after one saying, we will probably not see him make that mistake again. Just because your work ethic and, and how you are, you know you're, you're going to correct it. But for you, was there a turning point last season? I think for me, like you said, just not making the same mistake twice out there. Like I, 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 like the one that really sticks out to me was first pitch of the game. We're in Milwaukee. Yelich hits a ball that starts, you know, 10 feet to the left of me. And I turn back and start running after the ball. And next time I look up, it's 20 feet to my right. And I'm like, all right, balls are slicing a little, yeah. little more than I thought they would out here. Um, and so I made sure that I didn't run overrun balls like that ever again, and I don't think I did. Um, so yeah, just that was a big thing for me, man. Like it was, it was, it wasn't gonna be pretty. Um, I knew that it wasn't gonna be perfect. So just making sure that when I did make a mistake like that, not not letting that happen again, and and uh, just learning from them. We're visiting with Red's utility man. Spencer Steer, the golden retriever. He might play a little left field. Actually, he'll probably play a lot of left field. We'll continue our chat in a moment. This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back to the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League. We continue our conversation with Reds utility man, the golden retriever. Spencer Steer is our guest. With Jim Day, I'm Tommy Thrall. Spencer, we were talking uh, during the break about Outfields. Every outfield's different. Every infield's pretty much the same across the big leagues. The dirt may vary here uh, from place to place. Maybe the cut of the grass a little different, but for the most part, a ground ball is a ground ball. Outfield's a whole different monster. You've got a ladder in the wall at Fenway Park. Um, lighting is different. Uh, what was the toughest outfield for you to play last year? Um, yeah, like you said, every every place is different. The sight lines are different. Um, the glare off the seats at some stadiums is worse than the others. Um, yeah, I think honestly, playing in Arizona was tough. Uh, the The roof was, I mean, the roof's fine, but the lights at that stadium and left field they're a little lower than normal. Um, so when a ball's hitting the gap and you're running to the gap, like the ball can kind of hang in the lights um, there. So you kind of just like it's just sitting there in the lights so that was um 
that was a tough place to play. But I mean, it, it, I didn't think any place was that bad, honestly. Um, but yeah, it's just so much different from the infield because every infield is the same. Some play a little faster than others, but at this level, I mean, everywhere's pretty dialed in. You don't have to worry about bad hops, anything like that. So yeah, outfield's just a little tricky because you you definitely have some some different backdrops and and maybe some places are probably harder to see than others. When they transition someone from the infield to the outfield, obviously the first thing they work on is footwork. It's a little, it's different, obviously. But it's weird to think about, but the throwing mechanics, at least in a perfect world, they want you to be different. Their, your release point, your footwork getting, throwing the baseball is much different than an infielder. Have you worked on that, or are you just trying to go with your natural throw? Because switching from infield to outfield is a different dynamic in that regard as well. Yeah, I haven't changed anything with uh, mechanics-wise. Um, I think one big thing I have focused on um, – is throwing more like in catch play playing more long toss so as an infielder i wouldn't i'd play catch to 120 feet and warm up my arm and then i'd use majority of the rest of my throws in the infield you know throwing balls across diamond at third base and then going to second base and turning double plays like i'm making 50 throws i don't want to be playing long toss three times a week when i'm doing that every day but in the outfield you're not throwing to bases every day so when i'm playing catch i'm playing more long toss uh really trying to obviously get more arm strength, but condition my arm, um, you know, to be making max effort throws. Because in the outfield, when you're trying to throw a guy out at home, it's pretty max effort. When I get a ground ball at third base and a guy's it's a routine ground ball, I'm not I'm throwing at 85, 80%. So I think that's just one thing is is looking after my arm health and um, – so I've, that's that's one big difference I've noticed. At least at third base, you're on top of the ball more than you may be at, say, second base or maybe even some at short. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of need to get that carry a little bit more at third like you do in the outfield. I would I would assume it's the closest to an outfield throw that you would get yeah. on the infield. Yeah, because infield, I mean, you're changing arm angles all the time depending on the play, depending on the ground ball, um, throwing on the run, whatever. Outfield, you're pretty much trying to get on top of everything and – a big thing in the outfield is just getting really good carry on the ball. You don't want that ball to start dying once it gets to the infield and, and you know, throw goes up the line. Um, so that's that's a big thing is just really getting good carry and good spin on the ball so, um, you know, it's not dying once it's getting into the infield. As far as the offense is concerned, we, we've talked quite a bit about making that adjustment from your first taste of the big leagues at the end of the 22 season to the progress that you made last year. How, how much do you find yourself – and and how much do you enjoy the challenge of adjusting as pitchers adjust to you? It's beautiful, man. That's why this game's so fun. It's so challenging. And um, you can have one good year, and then the next year you fall on your face, and, and you're wondering why. I mean, it's just that hard of a game. Just because you had a good year last year doesn't mean you can walk into camp thinking, oh, I got a spot on this team. I can get complacent. I'm just going to have another good year. It just doesn't work like that. You got to come in every year and you got to earn your spot again. You got to prove yourself again. And um, yeah, that's what I'm doing with the swing. I'm trying to make my swing even more efficient than it was last year. And I'm doing everything I can to to have an even better year than I did last year. So um, that's kind of, that's the beautiful part of our game, man. It's, it's never, it's never easy. You know what I'm looking forward to? The first picture that I get of a golden retriever named either Spencer <laughs> or named Steer. <laughs> It's going to happen. It's coming. That'd be a, that'd be a huge honor. That'd be a huge honor. I hope it happens. That'd be very cool.
Because <laughs> I'm not going to name my own dog, Spencer. You Correct. Know? You so don't want to do that. Would be but some fan awkward. will pick up on this. This will happen. I hope so. That'd be yeah. cool. That'd be neat. Yeah. That would be. That would be. Um, uh, one last thing for you be, before we let you go. Uh, you're talking about the adjustments. Were there holes that you had in your swing that got exposed in the big leagues that you didn't even know existed? Well, I guess the evolution is in 2022 when I first came up, I couldn't hit a sinker. So my entire offseason, I really focused on figuring out the best way to hit a stupid sinker because I couldn't hit them. And 2023, I think I did a good job handing, handling sinkers. And I think teams noticed that. And then they started going to the top of the zone with four-seam fastballs. And I had a hard time covering that pitch. So there's kind of ebbs and flows to it, right? So... I think that's my biggest hole, in my opinion, is covering that, uh, you know, that four seam fastball at the top of the zone. So I'd say that's a that's a big focus for me this spring is is finding a way to hit them both, I guess. So, <laughs> well, we'll watch for that. Yeah, certainly. Spencer, certainly appreciate the time. Thanks so much and uh, have a great season. I'm sure we'll chat a few times down the way. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. That is Reds utility man, Spencer Steer. We wrap up the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF next on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF. Wrapping things up from Goodyear, Arizona. It's been another beautiful day down here in the desert. Uh, with Jim Day, I'm Tommy Thrall. Jim, things are wrapping up on this edition. Games will start this weekend. Saturday. How about that? Love it. Very excited. But uh, great, as always, to chat with TJ Friedel and Spencer Steer. The outfield just seems like it just continues to get better. Um, we've seen Spencer Steer make progress. They talked a little bit about Will Benson. David talked about his progress earlier today. That strengthens the outfield. You've got to have players like Spencer Steer, and not every player is going to buy into moving all around the field, particularly at a young age. Agents get involved. They're like, no, don't do that. Um, but Spencer Steer, as we saw last year, readily willing to go wherever they need him. And, yes, does it get him in the lineup every day? Sure. But not everyone is willing to do that. And I thought it was interesting, T.J. Frito, when I presented the case of well, we've come a long way of you showed up here most of the time, like how can I make the team? Now, like, we need T.J. Frito, you know. That's what the teammates are saying. Uh, and he's now the entrenched as the starting center fielder. But he said, no, no, no. I, he didn't want to hear any of that. Like, I still have that chip on my shoulder. I still feel like I've got to prove myself, which is great to hear. A winning player always has been, yeah. and it's just in his DNA. The Ohio Lottery postgame concert series is back for 2024. This season's lineup features the Doc Siders, DJ Diesel, a.k.a. Shaq, and Nelly. For tickets and more information, visit reds.com slash concerts um, one guy we haven't talked much about Jonathan Indy out here in spring just starting to kind of ease into possibly playing a little bit of outfield doing some drills uh, we haven't seen him take a lot of uh, reps tracking fly balls yet but uh, we will be seeing him at some point in the outfield yeah that injury last year we've talked about this briefly is is more serious than they let on and they want to make sure that that plantar fasciitis injury is behind him so he's gotten a little slow start as far as going full go. He hasn't run full go yet, which has limited uh, his ability to go out and start learning the outfield. But we're talking this outfield thing, and first base too, by the way, which I think is going to come much more naturally. 
But the outfield thing, they are going to have to start from scratch. He has never played outfield at any level of his entire life. And it's going to be a big adjustment. So they're going to have to start at the ground zero with him. And the fact that he's getting sort of a slow start, it's going to be interesting to see if he's ready at the beginning of the season to do that or we're going to see it maybe in the middle of the season. You know, this thought hit me the other day. And look, everybody everybody that's on this team is a guy that feels like they should be an everyday player, which you want. But you can't have that many everyday players. Somebody's not going to play every day. Jonathan India is not going to play as much as he would like to play. But one thing I think it could help him in a way, could benefit him. It could help him stay more fresh uh, with the foot, with the legs. might actually help him in the end. Yeah, and listen, we've talked about this as well before. He's going to get at bats, even if he's not starting in a game. The way today's game is of specialization, matchups, he's going to be taking crucial at bats if he's not starting in the middle or late stages of the game. He certainly will. Game starts soon, Saturday, first pitch just after 3 o'clock Cincinnati time. You can catch it on the Reds Radio Network. For Jim Day, for TJ Friedel, and for Spencer Steer, I'm Tommy Thrall. We will talk to you next week post-game on the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Good night. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.